Hello, Mark Child, Chairman and CEO of Condor Gold PLC. Mark Child, Chairman and CEO of Condor PLC, Gold PLC. How are you, sir? It's been a while uh, since we've seen you, and I can see what you've been doing. You just put out a feasibility study for uh, La India project. Um, do you want to give us the highlights? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, the feasibility study or bankable feasibility study uh, is on the main land year open pit, which has a mineral resource of uh, about 900,000 ounces. Uh, and we have a reserve out of that now. Um, and that gives us 82,000 ounces of gold per annum for a six year period. And the total upfront capital cost we've kept deliberately low at 106 million. US dollars. Right. So it, it's a small but perfectly formed um, project. Um, how do you make this bigger? Do you need to make it bigger? No, that's a good point. We've actually got three permitted pits. And last year, we put out PEAs um, about 12 months back. Um, and so what we would do is out of the main, uh, the feasibility study is, is on the main pit. But and just to remind re- readers, this means it's plus or minus 10 to 15% accuracy for CapEx and for OPEX. There's like $8 million has gone into the studies on the hydrology, the metallurgy, the processing plant, the tailings. Many of those uh, attributes of the bankable feasibility study are the same, regardless of where you get the actual ore from. So the processing plant's the same, CapEx and layout, the tailings is the same, the water management and various other parts, all the metallurgy is all the same. So what would happen here is that, well, that, the reason we're doing that is it, provides enough cash flow out of the main pit to finance any bank debt. And I can talk to that in a moment. But to answer your question, we would we have two high-grade feeder pits within three kilometers of the plant, which we would drill out and bring into the mine plan during the construction phase. So day one, gold production won't be 82,000 ounces of gold here. It'll be over 100, between 100 and 110,000 ounces per annum. Right, but you're going to need to raise money for this, potentially. And... And I'll come back to it potentially. Uh, is is the jurisdiction in which you're operating, Nicaragua, investable? The US don't seem to like it very much. Yes, that's a, that's a good question. I think that the, there will be bank. We deliberately kept the upfront capex low, so 106 million dollars, and this is all brand new equipment on feasibility studies. So we could think we can get it in low, and it includes 15% contingencies and an eight million dollar. EPCM contract. So regional development banks, because Nicaragua is a, a poor country, uh, uh, private equity uh, funds uh, who, who lend all over Africa, for example, aren't put off by political risk and gold loans. So I don't think it's typical US banks. I'll just, just forget that for the moment. Uh, but it's these other three categories of project financing that I we've had conversations with. Uh, and I believe will lend to the project. Right, but ultimately it's dollars. So I guess the US does 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 have a a say in this. So I'm just trying, are there any kind of restrictions in terms of the groups that you um you could be talking to in terms of the funding component, um, or do you you know genuinely believe this is something that you could get over the line? I think we can get it over the line. There's there's I think the the, the banks uh, in the last cycle stopped lending a lot to the junior projects. I mean, main, if you're a Societe General or you're a big bank. It's the same amount of work whether you lend $60, $70 million, say, to us for, for bank debt on a 60-40 ratio, or whether you lend two, $300 million uh, to, to all $500 million to other bigger projects. So at the smaller end of the, of the, the debt scale on natural resources, it tends to be private equity, uh, gold loans uh, coming through all regional development banks. Um, uh, and that's, that's what we see is, is possible on the project finance. Right. Okay. So... You- what I'm what I'm looking at is a company which is telling me they can produce over hundred thousand ounces of gold a year, 
right? Um, valued at 40 million bucks today. So there's something, something I'm missing, something the market's missing, something you're not getting credit for. So I want to kind of, I want to break down some of those, those moving parts. Um, you, you talk about a, um, life of mine all in sustaining cost of, you know, just over a thousand bucks. So you're going to make money, even at today's, uh, depressed prices. You're going to make, you're going to make money. So the being able to raise the capital is one solution, or do you make that someone else's problem? Do you sell the company? Do you sell the asset? I mean, what are the options actually available to you? Well, there, there are a variety of options. We are a listed company. And one of the ways we think about creating shareholder value is to de-risk the project. So typically what happens in natural resources, you do a PEA, a pre-feasibility study, a feasibility study, and then you say, oh, it's economic and uh, we've got no fatal flaws of water or metallurgy or construction. And here are the numbers. And then you go and get permits. And we've done this to create shareholder value, we've done this the other way around where we've already fully permitted to construct and operate. And we've also bought all the land for four and a half million dollars. We've bought a sag mill uh, for about seven million dollars. Uh, and we've uh, we've bought the surface rights, which are important in this part of the world. In fact, yesterday we got uh, the title is being cleaned on the land that we bought, the 55 plots of land we bought. So it's just de-risk, 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 de-risk. And that's needed whether you build this yourself or somebody else comes, pops over and says, I can see a mine here, uh, that uh, it's my next mine. So we, we are open to the strategic returns as to what's best for the shareholders. What would, okay, I get that, I get that. And that's a very politic answer. You, you, you've got it, all options available, whatever's best for the shareholders, I get it. But the reality is, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to, your ability to go and raise raise capital, you're telling me you should be able to get that over the line with 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 different routes available to you, or you could bring in a strategic partner and use their balance sheet, or you could flip this thing out. But they're also going to be looking. Um, they're also going to be looking at you know will there be any sanctions imposed in Nicaragua? Um, Ortega got back in for a fourth term um recently you actually met some of the, the i think you met one of the ministers you've um i think you may have you met ortega is that, is that yes yes I, that I had a 90 minute meeting with him back in oh, okay. march this year and i met the minister of energy and mines three months ago sorry three weeks ago again i met him a dozen times so right. they're very pro mining and very very open for it uh to, to, to foreign direct investment coming in and unlike say argentina you have a fully convertible currency uh, which is uh, important, obviously, for any mining company wanting to repatriate earnings. Um, so, so I think there will be some people who will look at Nicaragua uh, and do their political risk assessment and say that it's not for them. Uh, I, I would say that, uh, uh, and I think that's up to listed companies around the world. Um, uh, and some have uh, want, want to just take an example. Some of them only operate in Australia, only operate in North America, and don't even look at Mexico, for example, which has you know lots of lots of challenges. Or they don't operate in Peru or Chile, where they keep changing the mining laws. So, and yet there are other juniors or, or other bigger companies that are almost agnostic of political risk. In other words, they say, "Where's the best gold deposits?" Can I have a quick payback? Can I put this up for low capex? Can I permit? Can I operate at a mining level? And I'll worry about the politics later. And you've had big projects. I mean, take Barrick, uh, biggest gold mine in the world is is in the DRC. Um, so 
uh, Namibia, South Africa, there are lots of countries that mining companies go into where the political risks the Congo, where where where, where it's uh, challenging, let's say politically. But do you, do you think that's do you think that's still a thing? You know, the last year so sort of the rise of the ESG ESG rebadging of everything and anything. Um, you know, understanding about the need for you know social license and, and so forth and environmental license have become much harder to get a hold of or um, EIA, DIA, wherever you are in the world. Um, do you think companies at the end of the day, investors at the end of the day, will look at the bottom line, you know, i.e. mining at all costs, or do you think that that this that kind of resurgence of this kind of, you know, whether it be green metals or how, how you want to frame it, it is genuinely important will matter to investors and, and, and companies alike, or there will always be a buyer who's looking straight at the bottom line? I think it matters. In my case, it matters to me enormously that we actually get the social license to operate. I think that that's the key thing. It's the people and the communities that you're operating within. And I, I would put communities and people and job creation and, and food on the table in the poorest company per capita GDP in South America first and foremost and then if you like and so i put social first and stakeholder engagement and social and i would say you know, projects like us get permitted from the bottom up uh, i.e the communities want it and the governments typically before they even give you a permit they will they will send people into the community and say how's this company doing how's it treating you and we and, that, and, and, and what we've done is spent huge efforts on putting water purification projects in for quarter million dollars um We've done training courses. We're training 120 people now for the future for the future uh, workforce for the mine, uh, and we've been running these uh, half a dozen different engagement policies over a six-year period. So this is no, maybe even longer, eight years, and so that that's been absolutely critical. And part of the reason for that is that in Nicaragua, under the mining law, you do all your technical studies, the 16th, to, to get your permits. You give them to four different ministries. And then the technicians at the ministry says, yes, your tailing storage facility is good. We, we, we've got the plans uh, uh, when we approve them. Uh, but now you have to go to a public hearing and a public consultation. Uh, so the community has to vote whether they want the project after you've spent, done all your drilling and all your technical studies. So it's quite egalitarian in Nicaragua, and I think it's a really good way to do it because what it forces you to do as a CEO is you can't just say, right, I'm going to just focus on the technical studies and the mass and the bottom line and everything else because that's worthless if you haven't got a permit. And to get the permit, you need to have the communities and social side uh, absolutely spot on, a bit like the British Army do with the Gurkhas in Nepal. Um, you know, we have 50,000 uh, soldiers, potential soldiers coming in because there's a massive social license to operate for sort of 500 jobs. Um, and I, I bring that in because in my youth, that's I was a Gurkha officer. And so those skill sets that I learned for six months in the Himalayas and the poor paying out pensions and water projects, I've taken into Nicaragua. And that's one of the reasons we're fully permitted. So I think, that, but back, back to your Back to your point, I, I think that that side's absolutely critical. I think I think mining companies have understood this for years. I think the ESG bit seems to be partly people sitting at their desks in London or New York or Canada creating jobs for themselves. Uh, the good mining companies actually get on with it. <laughs> We've got to do that for the communities. And regardless of whether we're listed, unlisted, 
you still got to put a huge amount in, of effort into the social license to operate. Let me, let me come back to this point, because I, and so it's going to be sort of a conversation flipped on its head. I suspect you're going to be defending the situation and I'm going to be pushing you, which is that if I'm a mining company with a big balance sheet who you know, operates wherever, wherever in the world, I'm looking at you, you go, you've got your permits in place. I've got, if, if I come in and either partner with you or buy you, I don't have to wait around at the end of this for another five years waiting for my the, the relevant permits and licenses to do this. I can get going straight away and start. You're you're, you're saying potentially with the satellite pits, you know, over hundred thousand answers a year. We know the margins are are, are are good, and I know inflation is there, and you know, getting equipment on time is, is there, and that adds to the costs and getting people, and you know, it, the, the, you know, it's an inflationary environment. You're getting pressures from bottom up, but you're also getting pressures from gold price coming coming down, but you, you're still operating with a decent margin there. Um, and it's a recent, it's a recent um, feasibility study. Is, is, it's very, very attractive to people looking, to looking in. Is there an element of, of you that says, look, if that's the route we choose to go, if that's the route we choose to go, clearly you probably want to get this in production yourself. But if it's the route you go, do you have to do you have to be selective with who you would sell it to in that way? Because there will be groups who say, "Well, you know, we've got to we're going to mind our p's and q's." But there, there'll be other groups saying, "Saying, man, the bottom line is pretty darn attractive here because the money's going to be cheap for us because we've got a, we've got a decent balance sheet. We can get into production real quick and throw off a lot of cash, which may help us elsewhere." So, I mean, it, object objectively, you know. If that was if on that side of the, the equation, do you have to be selective for who you sell us to, or is it again just a numbers game? Uh, <laughs> there's a hypothetical questions if we sell it, it. Is. but it but is. I I think we should run we we need to run two two tracks. We need to run the businesses we're doing to take it into production, um, be seen to be doing that by the government and the communities, which is important, uh, but be open uh, for any for inbound inquiries coming into it. Uh, there's two two all JVs or whatever happens. So yes, if if somebody come, writes out an enormous check for the shareholders, just like any listed company in property or mining, you know the board of directors will have to have to take a look at it. If it's cash, I think you're fairly agnostic. It's cash. Um, if it's shares, you have to do your reverse due diligence on who it is. So if it's a company the same size or a small company that's a liquid or it's operating in the Congo, we had to think really hard to do we want their paper if they can come out with a nice price, but it's all paper and something we don't actually like, then you're not gonna you're not gonna take that. And so I think there's a an aspect of of that. If it's a massive company uh where uh, paper is is almost as good as cash, then then that's uh, could be much more palatable. But you're right, there's, there's an eighteen month construction period and the Australians say they could build this in twelve months. Uh and in terms of the inflationary pressures, our feasibility study is done at 1600 gold as a long-term gold price. And, and that, that, I think, is quite conservative. I know gold's only slightly above that at the moment. But to, to give you an idea, at 1600, on our CapEx number, I mentioned 106, is at the 31st of July. So we repriced everything at the inflation high. And since then, oil's off 30%. And, and steel prices and other prices are off, but in our document when it goes out and filed on CDAR, it'll be 31st of July. So they're for CAPEX and OPEX numbers. So they're right up to date. If anything, they might be a bit high um, over the longer term. So I think it's 
we deliberately kept the capex down, understanding that it's Nicaragua, and as you indicate, it won't be the easiest place to raise cash for. But we haven't come up with a three hundred or five hundred billion dollar capex number. We've come up with a hundred. Um, so, and I think that's um, uh, that that's really really doable. Uh, in, in uh, for, 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 for the country. Okay, so we'll, let's let's look at the the other the other side of that. So I, don't, I want to kind of push you on on, on that route. But with regards to if you decide to finance this thing, how whatever however that is structured is, you've got to look at the market at the moment. And go, man, it's risk off. People are cash in hand, waiting to see what on earth happens, how this plays out. Um, I mentioned uh, gold price down at the moment, cost up at the moment, although slightly improving, less price gouging going on. Um, it, you've got to time this right, because if you rush into it, one, it could be expensive money, and two, it could be into maybe there's a reinflation, reinvironment um, ahead of us. We don't, we just don't know. How, how do you play this? Take your time, sit back and watch, get on with it. What do you do? I think we ha- we have to make some progress on the ground. There's other work we we can continue to do. Um, so we're doing a gap analysis. Uh, actually, at the moment, we have Kate Harcourt, our chartered environmentalist director, flying out uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for gap analysis for the equated principles on an ESG gap analysis, I should say. So we're we're still sort of focusing on that. I think with the risk, with your comment about cycles, uh, Matthew, I would just say that. Gold price, yes, down 400 off its high, inflation up. All these are traders' and investors' views. From the trade perspective, when they enter a new country like Nicaragua, that's not a six-month view. (laughs) It's a a 10- to 20-year view. And when I'm speaking to mining executives and they're looking to put a mine up, they want to be there for 20 years. Uh, And so it's very different. And they are totally the sort of people who can take – slightly contrarian views, if you like, compared to the stock market and say, actually, this is really good value. Uh, I, I, I can see there's 46% gross margins on this. So so in our FS, in our statement, one of the things just on the single pit, we said that the EBITDA was 40, the gross margin was 46. And then after sustaining capital and royalties, it threw out $355 million at 1600 gold. And uh, you know, we're, we're looking to borrow maybe 60, 70. So, so the debt coverage is five to six times just on that margin after sustaining cash uh, and, uh, and royalty. Uh, and if you go up to 2,000 gold, just as an analogy, which is anyway gold was earlier this year, you, you add another $200 million on of EBITDA. So the EBITDA goes up to $550 million. So it, it's very quick paybacks on cash. Uh, and I think that, I think, People who know what they're doing and the mind builders of this world will look at that and say, that's a tier one project. I mean, uh, and I throw it back to you. How many projects do you know out there that have 2.4 million ounces, are fully permitted, can do the 100,000? We um, At the underground in, we get to 150,000. Have feasibility studies, have the land, have a mill in the country, a new sag mill in the country, have cleared 14 hectares of site, own 100%, there's no 30% of somebody else. And the government saying, "Get on with it, build the mine." Very uh, few. And, and I, I the, I'm going to ask you a question. Very <laughs> few, and I tell you what, they're valued at ten times what you are. And if Just this was in Nevada, <laughs> if this was in Nevada or Canada, it would be worth five to ten times more. The fact. So, so you 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 could argue that you know the 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 
part of the valuation challenge is is um, is Nick Ragger, you know, the, the, as you, for the reasons you, you've already mentioned. But, but the, 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 right, okay. But, the, but there's two things here. So if you look at the, 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 those two routes, okay, you get this thing funded. And you start throwing off cash. The payback is super, super quick, right? And some people may have a problem with uh, you doing business in Nicaragua, and that's fine. That is their choice, and they can make decisions off the back of that. Others um, won't, uh, and that's their choice. But if you can raise the money and the payback's that quick, your $40 million valuation today, your share price 25.3p, um, um, <laughs> looks super, super cheap. I mean, ridiculously cheap, but that you've got to get into production. You've got to make money. You've got to sell your product. You've got to, you know, make your margins. Um, and the same for, and, and, and the same is um, for if you decide to sell this, make this someone else's problem. You know, the, you, your challenge there is how do I get more than the current enterprise value of this company is currently portraying for the, for this project? You can't have conversations about selling this at these prices. It would be, yes, it, could, it would be contrarian on the part of the buyer because it's ludicrously cheap in this, in this, in the context of the numbers you're presenting. Um, yeah. How do you move it? How do you move that dial? It's, it's a, I think, I think, well, it is ludicrously cheap. I agree. And if we just talked in dollar terms, if we, and that's a dichotomy. We have a say dollar terms, fifty million US dollar market cap, or sort of under that with the cable where it is now. It's one and one and one these days, Mark. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, well, in, in that sense, it's even cheaper now. We, we've got a US dollar based asset, so actually the share price should be going up uh, just just on the currency adjustment for uh, where we are. So actually, it makes it even cheaper to buy a sterling penny stock um, for the Americans. Uh, or all Canadians, or anyone. I, I, I think that the we should be focusing on the NPV of the project. So any conversations that we have, we won't say, look at our share price. Uh, let's have a conversation about a share price premium, let's say, or an asset price. I think the value of the asset, uh, maybe, maybe this walks down an asset sale. You say, actually, our NPV for the three open pits in the PEA was 350, 320 million. If we add the underground in, it's 450 million MPB or 430 million MPB. So how do we close that gap between $50 million valuation on the stock market and a $430 million MPB? So back to your point, you know, there's multiples that we can show. So I think any, how do we close the gap? We'd have to have a negotiation on the basis of uh, production ounces uh, over the life of mine. That could be 1.5 million in the ounces of gold produced out of this. Uh, in the PEA scenario, well, you know, even at sixteen hundred dollars gold, you can see that's uh, three and a half billion dollars. Uh, okay, it's going to be nine years coming out, but so you need to. I think the the conversation needs to surround the the asset value of the company uh, and, and try and have the conversation going that route. Okay, interesting times and competitive attention uh, always helps uh, in, yes. in, in that. Well, look, you. Okay, well, look. Sorry to kind of take you way down that track. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you're, you've got other things that you want to talk about. But I'm so intrigued by the way that board management, board CEOs actually think in an economic environment like this. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about contrarian investing in, in most conversations because I think it feels like there's a lot of deals on the table at the moment, which are 
at 40, 50% discounts to, you know, their, their year highs. Um, projects haven't changed much. Um, they just got a bit cheaper, you know, and I, from personally, I'd be running to that side of the aisle. Um, if, if I saw that. So, um, in, interesting. Um, in, with regards to, um, other things that I, I kind of read about since we've last spoken, you kind of worked on the, on the metallurgical study, uh, side of things. So, so they, nice recoveries, happy with that as expected. Uh, yes, well, we had a slight delay in the delivery of the feasibility study, uh, and one of the reasons for that is that we had to redo a lot of metallurgical test work. Uh, and we, the original bolt samples we did, we didn't have enough of the lower grade in, uh, i.e. one gram materials. Our average grade is three, so they focused around that. And what we had was uh, the lower grade, because there wasn't enough sampling, they said, oh, it's 85% net recovery. And they just applied a standard cutoff. We redid all the MET, and guess what? It's not 85%, it's 93% MET recovery in the lab. So we got higher numbers, uh, but it's very easy metallurgy. Uh, it's 93, grinding down to 73, 75 microns, it's uh, 93% MET recovery. In our economic models, we'll use 91% just to be conservative. If we grind a bit finer, you can get an extra 2%. It could be 90, uh, 95% in the lab. So they're fantastic MET Met recovery, there's no carbon, lock, which locks up when there's a project in Nagraga where there's carbon in and they've got problems, 76% metallurgical recovery. It's no sulfur. It's a very, very low sulfidation system. So you know, people look at the Met, you spend $750,000 on because that, that's critical to understand. You design your plant around it and it can be a fatal flaw in a project. And delighted to say that around your project, we've got, as someone said to me a few weeks ago, how come you're so lucky with your metallurgy? Uh, so we can be reassured of that. Well, um, Mark, what I, I guess for, for me, it's like, okay, okay, great, great news. Um, thanks for coming and talking about the feasibility study. I know it's a little bit dated uh, now in the sense that um, you know, it's a couple of weeks later, but um, no, it's only a week later, isn't it? Or so? No. Two weeks, two weeks ago later. yesterday. It is yes. two weeks ago, yeah. Um, but it's still got to be okay. filed. So the big, you get a press announcement. Okay. It's okay. joint listed on Canada and London. So we do everything Canadian 43-101. So we put a press announcement out saying, here's the summary of all the studies, the dozen studies. And then there's the 43-101 report gets filed 45 days later. So that'll be filed in another 30 days. Okay. I wasn't too far wrong there. Um, we're in the with middle. To, we're, we're in the middle. Um, with regards to the um, money side of things, because, okay, you've done this, and then guess what? The so what question comes in, which is right. So what do you do now? What 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 do we see next? And um, clearly, raising money back in June just kind of obviously get the feasibility study over the line. And so depending on your strategy, you're either going to need to raise a big chunk of change or a little chunk of change, but money nevertheless. So what what, what are the plans? Well, on the debt side, there are we as soon as you get a bankable feasibility study out, an awful lot of people want to talk to you because they smell the fees. So no surprising that at the precious metal them. summit, I was. So gamekeeper turned poacher or the other way around. I'm not sure which way I am or that. But we, we ended up uh, that, that we've had in the last two weeks uh, half a dozen conversations with lenders uh, in, in Canada and North America at the two conferences that I've been to. So I think to, to turn around and say we've lined up the project financing, the debt package um, or mezzanine debt or gold loan package uh, to say that someone's kicked the tires, they reviewed everything and here's, uh, here's the debt component, 
subject to XYZ, I think that would be a, a major comfort for investors because it would be a third party doing due diligence to say, yes, we're prepared to lend and the project can support this much debt and finance. So we're working on that. Uh, on the equity side, uh, you know, we're running a business with <laughs> negative cash flow, but we've got the bulk of all our studies out the way now. Uh, that was what we raised the last money for. And we said at the time, that's to complete the FS. And uh, we had a small top up to complete the FS. We've done that. We we have a much lower burn rate at the moment. Uh, but at some stage going forward, you know, we don't, we're not producing gold yet. There will be, there will be some equity raise. I can't really expand more than that. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll tell us when you can tell us because you need to make a decision um, about how this project advances because, you know, everything's there. It's wrapped up in a, in, in a nice little parcel with a bow on it. Um, either you move it forward or someone else does. Um, so, yeah, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on and um, we'll, be, we'll be delighted to take that phone call. Great. And thanks very much for the questions.